Hey everyone, before this show begins this week, I just want to give you all a quick heads up and issue a trigger warning. Uh, this week's episode, there are brief descriptions of actual events containing domestic violence uh, and suicide, and uh, some discussions of mental health as well. Um, it's all quite brief and it's done in a tasteful way, uh, but for those people who have been affected by that, it could be triggering. So if that's the kind of thing that does make you feel uneasy or upset you, it should all be wrapped up about 20, 25 minutes into the episode. And then from there on, it's just our regular movie chat. Um, but just letting you know in case that's not the kind of thing you want to hear on a podcast, which is fair enough. Welcome to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers, your friendly neighborhood film snob. And this week we have a very special guest, guest who hasn't been on the show for well over a year and uh, is definitely overdue for a return. We're not talking about apocalypse films this week. I know it's been a bit stop and start with that topic. We are pretty close to the end of that series. Uh, we have two more guests to talk about apocalypse films, including today's guest, if he wants to. Uh, if he doesn't, that's totally fine. It's not everyone's jam. Um, but no, we're finally rounding out um, our 90s series, which we started earlier this year. Um, and this guest, we've been trying to get on the show for a long, long time. His last appearance was in August of last year, back on episode 22. Um, but just due to a bunch of different circumstances, taken a little while to get him on. But he's back. Um, I've already seen a bit of a peek at his list, although he did warn me his list may have changed since he sent it to me only an hour ago, which is totally fine. Uh, please welcome uh, one of the biggest influences on my uh, film fandom, uh, it's my father, Graham Chalmers. Welcome back to the show, Dad. Thank you, son. How wonderful <laughs> to be here. Oh, I can already tell this show is going to be crazy. <laughs> you agree on a payment? <laughs> but I need to let them know, the listeners, that before we started recording like a minute ago, I, you're like, let's, get, let's go, let's start the episode. So I hit record, and then you just started talking for five minutes, and you're like, are we going to start the show? I was like, yeah, I'm just waiting for you to finish your bit so we can start. It was very uh, funny. You know, it's always going to be a little bit strange, and um, and so I tell you the story that I went down to to Keela Village for for a wander, which I really means I got out of the car and went to one shop. <laughs> for our international listeners, Keela is not like no one's going to know what Keela is, but basically, it is the town that we uh, that I grew up in. It's uh, it yeah. grow up it's also. Um, uh, a, a place where you can go and get information on the um, the, the tour of of um, the gold rush, and um, really stopped at Keilor and then went on to Bendigo, and um, and there's some great stories in there that I I um, won't go on with because otherwise we'll get nothing done. The I'm looking forward. I, I, as you're right, it's it's been a while, and um, and and sometimes you you get inspiration and um, and other things. And I just said to myself, when you said, "Do you want to do one?" and I'm going, "Yes, that sounds wonderful." <laughs> and um, Monty Python impressions have begun already. Good. <laughs> Well, yeah. you came on the show. You were the third person. You actually, technically, you were the first person ever to record an episode. You were the very first guest I had, um, but you debuted at episode three. 
um, because we hadn't figured out what the format of the show was going to be yet. So I didn't, and <laughs> that first episode is wild because <laughs> you're, you're very much a person who goes on tangents, which most of my best guests do. But I was like, mm, we need to figure out the format before we introduce anything too wild. And then you came on uh, to your 80s episode, uh, which was received quite well as well. And then um, obviously Halloween horror movies, you didn't really have much interest, which is totally fine. We took a break over Christmas and then um, this year's just been insane. This year has been insane trying to like lock down schedules because uh, you no longer work full time, but I kind of do, and I have a kid and Tina's full time, and like it's just trying to get everyone's schedules is crazy. But yeah, it took took us a year, but you're back. I'm back, and I I don't work full time. I don't work. Well, I was I, I, I didn't know what you want me to say, so I kind of left. I was like, you know, I'll let him fill the blanks. I can say whatever I like. Proven. <laughs> Oh, of course, yeah. It's your story to tell, not mine. Um, pretty clear. Um, and um, I was listening to a conversation the other day about, you know, people who, you know, when they retire. Um, and retiring is, is is a story that I'll leave for another day because I'll just get lost in in conversation. But it's a well, bit you can long. talk about it if you want. Like, there's no rules. If you want to talk about why you retired, you can. But well, it's up to you. I'll, I might, I might do that. Um, one of the things, the selection of movies that I, I chose um, uh, have, have got a thread running through them and, and um, I, I don't know whether you've worked out what the thread is. Um, uh, I'm looking over it and I'll be honest, I, I mean, look, as I say, they all have a criminal element to them, but I don't know if one of them does. Like, I'm not quite sure what the theme is in all of them yet, but I do like, I, like, I really like your list, and I'd seen all of them except for one of them until very, very recently, and I adored it. So I'm like, oh, I can I can talk about that one now as well. I've seen it, so that's good. <laughs> the um, as you know, I've been speaking to a, a friend of mine on uh, with some some interesting conversations, and um, and uh, because I don't spend my life um, going and, and fulfilling other people's needs in the way of work um, and fulfilling my own needs in smiling and uh, laughing and stuff like that, the thing that's really important um, is we spend so much time trying to satisfy other people without actually satisfying ourselves. And, um, and it is why the show exists. <laughs> that's exactly why the show exists. Sorry? I said this is, that's exactly why the show exists. There was, a, there was a vacancy in my life at a certain point where I wasn't um, getting the conversational needs I wanted about movies. I, like I, you know, I used to work with people who watched a lot of movies and then every job since then has been very much the opposite where everyone, like I worked in jobs where no one even watched movies or television at all. I was like, what are you talk what are you talking about? Like how can you I'm not saying you have to be as crazy as me, like very few are, but you're telling me you never look at the TV screen ever? Like so uh during the lockdown when I found that that vacancy, I was like, all right, well I guess I'm gonna start a show and talk to people about movies and hopefully we'll get ten episodes out of it and that'd be really fun. And here we are sixty episodes later, sixty one episodes later, and it's still going. And uh but yeah the whole idea of this is to be a little bit selfish. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and not selfish, you know, like, I'm not saying uh, I haven't been selfish in other areas, but this is just a chance for me to kind of be like, you know what, this is going to fulfill me in those needs that I have. I, I think the thing that's really, um, everyone's different. Mm. 
and we all have different ways of communicating. Look, you know, um, I enjoy enjoyed my work, um, but I did enjoy the people I work with. Uh, in in many instances, who were bullies, um, and um, I was reflecting on this the other day. Uh, where we live, around the corner, was a guy called Nobby Clark. He played for Essendon in the back line, and he committed suicide. Um, it's not like it wasn't unknown, but uh, one of the nicest people in this world. And so often, people um, jump to a, a solution which isn't really a solution. What it is is it takes you out of the equation, as in like Nobby. He's got got kids and a wife and he's a beautiful person, but he couldn't cope. And and at the, at the end of the day, you know, these, these people who've got so much to offer, and, and I think that's something um, when I've been talking to people of recent days is that um, – People say, well, there's no other solution, but it's really easy. You've got to open your mind up and going, am I looking for a solution or are I looking for a way, a way out? And, and the solution has to actually include the person involved that can actually ultimately find some happiness with the people around him. And that may mean getting rid of a lot of people you don't need. And there's a really uh, wonderful quote I've heard about it, um, about suicide. And I'm sorry, everyone, that we got so dark so quickly. We will go and have fun soon, I promise. But because it came up, there's a, a really wonderful quote I heard. Um, uh, someone said, it doesn't make things better. It just takes away the opportunity to make things better. Um, and, you know, look, I mean, look, to each their own. Like, if that's, you know, it's, you have one life and if that's the, what you choose to do, it, I'm not, you know, it's not my place to criticise someone. I've never been so in such a dark place that I felt the need to do that. But, um, you know, mental health is definitely an ongoing um, pan- pandemic. Like, it's just, it's especially post the, the, you know, the physical pandemic we had. Like, mental health is uh, on the rise and we need to be, you know, looking after ourselves and each other and you know, having those conversations. And um, we're actually going to be talking about that on a show very, very soon. Um, we're going to do a bit of a mental health special, but that's for another time. <laughs> yeah, that's a look. Um, it, it's fair to say that I've, you know, I see, I see a specialist, and I'm not, I don't feel guilty or bad about that. You know what? Shouldn't, should definitely not. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Yeah, and I've just got the most amazing specialist. Um, comes from the Philippines, and um, we spend a lot of time laughing. And uh, I don't know how that happens, but um, you know, the other last last week or the week before, we were just having a chat, and I said, oh, "I forgot, I forgot to get you a coffee." I said because I couldn't find my car keys, and uh, I do have a trouble finding things. Like I can spend two days just going around the house and going, "Okay, I know they're here because the car's here." So, um, <laughs> and, and 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 life, you know, like. You've just got to accept the fact, like I'm 72 next week, and uh, that's my mate, waist right. measurement. And um, <laughs> in fact, it's not. I am uh, skinny. You've lost a bunch of weight. You actually inspired me. I was just telling you before. I um, this morning I I was like, you know what? Today is the day I start making better choices. I I said almost a year ago, my 34 list was one thing was going to I was going to improve my relationship with food and exercise, and I haven't done anything about it yet. 
I, yep. uh, I'm not too far off 35. I'll be middle-aged in a couple of months. So I was, yep. today was the day. I'm like, you know what? Today's the day I start, start making better choices. If my dad can do it after, you know, 72 years, then I, I can sure give it a crack. So. Yeah. No, you, and the thing is, like, you know, I'm, I'm in a pretty good space. I think my weight currently is 67.5. Which yeah, is you're significantly the, uh, less than I am. <laughs> yeah, I think most of that was more Wallace. Um, well, there wasn't that much weight in it. You don't get much out of ten dollars fifty. But anyway, um, the the thing that we often talk about are things like I when I was when I was training and and uh, up in Queensland and and New South Wales and and in Melbourne. I used to always say to the staff, laugh, smile, and say hello to someone you don't know. And even sometimes I used to get surprised where I say that to someone and the person would turn around and say thank you and it's the most stunning person I've ever seen. Mm. And ordinarily I just probably go past. Um, and it's not... The, the really important thing about communication is don't have it planned how the communication will go or what it will provide. But if you say hello to someone you don't know, um, that may be the only conversation they ever have for the day. Mm. And um, it doesn't hurt. And I've been amazed. And, um, you know, as I said to the staff um, for those who don't know what I did before, um, I uh, used to st- steal cars. Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> the, um, it's, I, I literally watched it's, – it's so funny you mentioned stealing cars. I just watched Baby Driver the other night. Have you watched that yet, Baby Driver? No. Oh, okay. I've been, like five years ago, I think it was five years ago, I said to you, I said to Sarah, who's also been on the show. It's been a while since she's been on the show. I said – Dad needs to watch two movies this year. He needs to watch um, he needs to watch The Big Sick and he needs to watch Baby Driver. Between the two of you, get it done. And because um, yep. you'll Tim, love those movies. In the, the notation, and I'll have a look. Um, Baby okay. Driver is a wonderful it's, film. It's um, it's a it's a bank heist movie. It's about like a, a guy um who he's a driver for like a criminal underworld, and he um, yeah, and well, he uh, becomes obs- sorry. Well, maybe I have. I don't know. Uh, if you have or not, um, but uh, I will send you. I will send you the list right now because you you need to watch like Baby Driver. You'll, you'll love both of them. Like they're right up your alley. Baby yeah. Driver is definitely a you film, and The Big Sick is kind of like. It feels weird to compare it to Bend It Like Beckham, but it's kind of the closest thing I can think of. It's about it's kind of an immigrant story. It's about um, a Pakistani stand-up comedian who falls in love with a girl, um, uh, but but due to like his background and his upbringing. His parents want, don't, don't have anything to do with her because she's white, and then she becomes sick, and she kind of has to rely on him while she's, you know, in a coma. It's, it's like it's a sad movie, but it's also very, very funny. Um, yeah. And that's like because I know how much you love Bender like Beckham. Um, so like it's just like the next step to me is like it's kind of like a spiritual sequel or kind of a sister movie to to um, Bender like Beckham. So those are, five years ago I told you to watch those movies. You got to check them out. You'll love them. Hey, listen, how long did it take you to see Love and Other Drugs? That's true. Um, but I did watch it, so I watched it, and you slept too. You haven't watched. It. <laughs> um, I loved Love and Other Drugs. Like that was a 
a wonderful recommendation. I watched that the day before I um, had my wisdom teeth out. I think I, you messaged me. You're like, hey, how are you doing? I was like, I'm just watching your favorite movie. And you're like, <laughs> the response was so excited. You're like, how is it? Do you love it? And I was like, I mean, I'm half an hour in. It's great. Um, although I was – and maybe, like, it just goes to show I don't know you as well as I think I do. Because the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this doesn't feel like a dad movie at all. It's so, like – explicit and like violent not well not violent but like it's very um the language gets quite aggressive and blue and like it's very sexually driven way that she hardly wears any clothes i've I've probably seen a few women like that um yeah a long time ago in my past um now let's get on (laughs) so and and i think in the selection whilst there's one or two which are a little bit out of left field um, the one thing that's a constant in most of these movies is mental health issues. And how do I say that? I just did. Mental health issues. Um, oh, yeah. I see. I'm, I'm trying to think. So people got autism. Do they? Yep. So, you know... <laughs> Don't talk, like, the, don't talk about the movies yet. We'll get to the list in a second. Um, but the thing is that, uh, and these are a particular, you know, series of movies like Edward Scissorhands. Okay, so we're talking about them. Okay, yep, sure. <laughs> That's where I'm going with that. Um, okay. I don't think Edward Scissorhands has autism. Edward Scissorhands is a monster. He was created. Oh, he's only a monster in people's eyes. But, but um, he, well, no, like he's not a bad monster. He's a good monster. Uh, but he was created. But like, I guess, I guess the parallel he does have what you would like a social anxiety. That's fair. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. So it's more about um, he's he's in his own little world. Yeah. You know, and and people who have mental health issues usually are in their own little world, and they have to be treated. So I'm looking at different aspects now of what the movie um, is. Relaying in the sense, oh, I love that movie. Oh, you need to um, watch Get Out as well. I'm putting it on you your know, list. Get Out, Get, Get Out is a horror film, but like in terms of know, the mental health aspect of it, oh my goodness, it's wonderful. Yeah, um, it, it comes from that same sort of batch, like you know, Beetlejuice. Yes, uh, yes, yes, and yes. I love that as well. I mean, it's, I watched and, that for the first time after you were on the show. I don't know if it was late last year or early this year, but I finally watched Beetlejuice after. 33, 34 years, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. Yep, yep, it it was amazing. And but we know if, if listeners, if listeners remember your last appearance, we know you're a big Winona Ryder fan. So I, the fact that both Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands get a mention should make to be no surprises there. <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, I think I like every any girl that comes from England that's named Emily. And um, or I'm like, um, I'm like Emily Blunt. Oh, and I'm yes. trying to think. She's great. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any uh, Emily Mortimer. She's British as well. She's wonderful as well. You might be yeah. onto something. Um, I, I before we I jump have... into your list, let's yeah. have a chat about the '90s. Um, so I obviously remember the '90s because they were my formative years. That's where I grew up. Um, you know, we talked about Keelor before. I spent most of the '90s in Keelor, and that's where I really became introduced to films. But what are your memories of the 90s and in terms of 90 film, what does it mean to you? Well, it's funny. I mean, I, if I go back, I'm thinking 90s, 90s, 90s. Was I still married then? Um, you were. I was. 
till the end of the 90s, so I got through the 90s. In, uh, you into uh, the early couple of, I think the early 2000s as well. Hey. I said early 2000s. I don't think, I think the separate, well, you know what? <laughs> That's another conversation. We don't need to go into that. <laughs> We're getting very close to some very personal stuff. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, we won't go there. You opened up a conversation and I like, as <laughs> I can't help myself. I just start talking about anything. Um, yeah, so you were still married in the 90s. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> well, no, that helps me with working at where I was. Mm. Um, and um, the, the the 90s was really um, sort of a change, part, partly change in direction. Like I was working in Keeler at the time. I was at the Keeler Hotel. Um, and, you know, this is where I'd gone from working um, for a large corporation and an organisation um, where I was bullied. Um, and I was speaking to my, my very good friend, and um, and she said to me one day, she said, "Gee, you've certainly had some fun, haven't you?" I go, "Yeah." Mm. The and and I think um, I think one of the most important things that we really need to be secure about is that no job is worth your health. Absolutely, a hundred percent. The trouble is that we often sacrifice our health to stay in a job. When the fact is, get out of the job, and um, and your life will be a whole lot better. But you know, I learned that far too late. That's why I left insurance. <laughs> when I worked in insurance, it was and it was nothing to do with the company or the people. Like ever, it was a very supportive and lovely environment. But that job was soul crushing. Um, yeah. And I think I I got about seven months in, and I was like, I need to get out. I need to get yeah. out now before like, because um. Yeah, I was actually talking about this last night with with Josh. Um, Josh has also been on the show. He and I went and saw the Ninja Turtles last night. We'll talk about that at some point. But um, we were talking about like just like the lowest parts. I don't know why we have such a depressing conversation. We were talking, I guess, because we're both in such positive places now. We were talking about some of those low times. I was like, man, that insurance, like that that job, almost destroyed me. It was so rough. Um, and I had to like, to, so I remember having that chat with Tina. And I was like, look. Like it's a really good paying job. I know it's helping us with a lot of things. We've just bought a house, but I, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like if you think like if you think it's tough to be around me now, like in two months, it might be a lot tougher. Um and thankfully she was very supportive and I went into a retail job, which wasn't much better to be honest, but at least it got me closer to home. I'm on the lowest paying job in in the world. <laughs> the pension. Yeah. Um, and um and I've never been happier. Oh, like I'll be honest. What, like my idea of retirement is just watching movies. Like, just I just would get to watch more movies than I do now, and I watch quite a few. I'm ahead. I've got, I've watched more movies than there's been days in the year, I think, at this point. But I, I could easily double those numbers if I was retired. Uh, well, next month it'll be 12 months since I I worked. Wow. And um and I'm and I'm not I haven't died from starvation. Uh, um, the, but you know like. The opportunities have opened up to me um, and I was talking to a chap last week and he said to me, are you interested in doing some some cooking in the shop? Not cooking as in a job, but demonstration. Mm. I remember you telling know? you this, yeah. And I'm going, yeah, because I can be myself in that. If I'm doing some, I have to be serious. So if I'm going to cook something, um, as something that I would do professionally, 
not as a job but as a demonstration, I'd have to do it properly. Yeah. Whereas if I'm going in to do something as a demonstration but it's just, it's very different and when we're talking, we're talking about doing a demonstration uh, for helping people to cook with, to cook with the food in their fridge. So I've got a... I've got a site on my, my computer. It's called What's in the Fridge. And um, I'll start that process up very soon. And, uh, and that just came out of the blue. And um, so I'll just go down the shop one day and I'll take my, my new cooking implement, which I've had for about five, six years, that uh, doesn't use gas because our government has made some very important decisions to, I don't know, do something. Um, I mean, look, we weren't open a political debate, but you and I don't always say eye to eye on, on politics. But uh, I look, I'm not happy about the gas situation at all either. Geez, winter has been expensive. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's jump back to the '90s. So you were working to... in a job you hated. Uh, that's how we got to where we were going. You're in a job that you hated. No, it, it was his hands. But we're not talking about movies yet. We're just talking about the '90s in general. So oh, the '90s, yes. So I remember them being big video store years for us. That was what we did a lot in the '90s. What did we do? Went to the video store a lot. Oh, yes. Yes, we'd see a lot of videos. You'd go down on your bike um, and, uh, and, and do that. We, uh, what kind of stuff were you watching in the 90s when, when we weren't around? Because I remember I, it wasn't ju- you weren't just renting videos for, the, for us kids. I remember like often you'd get a couple of stuff. I think the most distinctive one I remember when we lived in the house in Keel or on Church Street. That house is still there, by the way. It's still the smallest house on the on the biggest street. But um, I remember distinctly we bought got, had a bunch of videos, and then on top of the television, because we couldn't reach, there was a uh, a copy of Dracula. I want to say the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula with Anthony Hop- uh, Anthony Hopkins and yep. uh, Gary Oldman. So obviously that's a, that's a horror flick, and I know you've meant you've got a horror movie on your list, which we'll get to. But um, were you do, watching a lot of horror in the nineties, or was it just those particular films, or what? What was what oh, were you what were you watching in the nineties the most? Do you think? And that you know that was pretty good because you know I could get dressed up in the around the house <laughs> and um, chase you around and go. Ooh. <laughs> um, not really, I guess. Look, I think I now what I watch is a lot of. Serious stuff, mm. particularly uh, English um, series, uh, because they're very good, and um, and I want something to to entertain me and also keep me lured in. I think that the, the the thing is over that period of time, I've I went through multiple changes. Mm. Uh, I say that it's not work. I was having. You know, like a multiple issues in my life. Well, I probably was, and I didn't know it. But the uh, the thing is that because my job changed a bit, because I'd either gone from cooking, uh, which was day and night, um, and if I ever hear someone whinge to me about, you know, the amount of hours they do, or they're having to do this or do that, and I'm thinking, you know, one thing about the job before the before whatever, was that, you know, you'd start at 10 in the morning and you'd finish 10 at night and then drive home, get enough sleep to do it again. But that was the job and that was mm. the pattern. And, um, 
and and you know the the job was central, but uh, there wasn't much much time for much. Oh, excuse me, much else. So when I got out of the, the cooking side, then I was doing management, and management took under a, a number of roles, so it gave me a bit more flexibility. But um, you know. Probably during that period of time, I learned how to push a a piece of apparatus down a pole um, and have one child fall off. Um, yeah, I wasn't. Probably it just realise what you're referencing. It's a very deep cut family joke that no one listening will understand. Are you talking about the flying fox? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our family has a history. My my younger brother Nick, who's never been on the show. Um, not for a lack of in, not for lack of invitations, just not really his thing. Um, historically, he was the child who would always get injured the most out of the three of us. And uh, the, the story in the, which Dad is referencing is that once Dad pushed him on a flying fox so far that Nick flew off the end of it and went about five meters across the park and landed on his stomach, which was uh, terrifying at the time, but now very amusing. I think we laughed. Um- no, he didn't. Uh, the kid, like, he could not help but get into And he's not a clumsy person at all, but he, he just had bad luck. Yeah, when he walked on the rocks and went, hit his teeth. Uh, yeah, he, sl- yeah, he slipped on a uh, on a climbing frame, hit his teeth. He was also That's knocked right. over on the cricket pitch at school and had his teeth knocked in. He um, put his hand on the barbecue. What do you – flat down. Yeah, flat down. I wonder if this is hot. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, we put it in a puddle of water with rocks in it. Stuck I always up. the one that no one talks about, but I always remember. That's so weird and so upsetting. Is you were doing some landscaping in the backyard at Church Street. You were digging a big hole, and Nick, I guess he wasn't looking. He fell into it, and he came out covered in, I would say, easily a thousand ants, and like, they were crawling in his ears and his eyes, and he was like, it was so upsetting. But now it's just like, oh, it's so ridiculous. Like he had to have a bath to get them all off, and we still couldn't. Like he was still finding ants. Like three days later. Um. <laughs> that reminds me of the the backyard. I love the backyard. The backyard. We're doing pretty well with the the, the series. Uh, the backyard went two instances. Nick went up to the garage, the shed, got and the got power the, saw. the hand saw, the power mm. saw. Um, and brought it back down to the to the house and plugged it in in the kitchen. Mm. And Nick was about three or four. Yeah, that would be the equivalent of Zoe doing that today. Um, although, actually, Tina was telling me that Zoe asked if she could – we've got a comb in the bathroom to comb her hair at the end you know, after she had her bath. And it's got it's one of those ones like a metal point at the end, and she yeah. wanted to know if she could put it in the power socket. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's um, We're entering the terrifying part of – her being a child because now she's she wants to explore she's get she's confident yeah. she's adventurous she wants to try things yeah. um and i was like the next thing is gonna be like the knife in the toaster i can just tell like uh, like it went in the very scary part like she's got a, ha- a hair dryer recently and the day that we unpacked it i felt sick because like she uses after a bath all she has to do is you know take it in the bath and uh, like i just <laughs> it scared me so much um but she's pretty good with it. Like she now knows she knows the rules. It's tucked away. We, you know, it's in the drawer until she's done, and the water's out of the bath. So, I think so. I actually put a knife into an electric uh, radiator um, when I was young, um, and that wasn't a bright spark. I can tell you. There we go. Well done. I did. Um, I do remember you were setting up a phone when we moved from Keilor. We moved to Sydenham, and you were setting up a phone line, and um, 
you go to shock. And mom, I remember mom was like, you okay? And you're like, yeah, I felt it in my tongue. And we were like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, this is terrible. Um, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a, a tree down the back of Folsey's house, Gary Folsey played for us, and he, he backed onto our house. And um, I was just trimming back one of the trees, which was probably about 15 metres tall. And... Um, as I was cutting into it with the chainsaw on a ladder that was rocky at best on the branch. And as it started to fall off the rest of the tree, a wombat jumped out in front of me and then I um, started to do a pirouette on the the ladder uh, onto the ground, which was also elevated off the ground. Yeah. I survived, and it really is remarkable that I've actually... You've had some brutal injuries as well. I remember you telling me, like, you you broke your back falling out of a tree. I remember you saying you cut your leg open with a hacksaw. Yeah. And I think it's because of all the terrifying things that have happened to you and my brother, uh, and my sister, to an example, is why I've managed to not hurt myself so often. I'm just terrified of everything. So I've managed to dodge too much pain. Um, I, I I put it down to this. Many people don't have the experiences that we've had. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a diplomatic way to phrase it. Sure. Oh, when I was talking to uh, to to my friend, she um, when she said to me, "You've had some experiences," so I I unleashed a lot of the experience that I'd had. She goes, "That's enough." I think, like, to the best of my knowledge, the only thing I can think of is I fractured my arm when I was 17. Yep. Um, and when I was 12, uh, yeah, I'll tell the story. She won't like that I told the story, but it's fine. Mum actually dropped a pot of boiling hot rice on my back and my skin, <laughs> you're having a laugh, <laughs> and my skin blistered. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I had, like, I lost a couple of layers of skin for for the summer. Um yeah, but uh, those are the only major injuries I can think of. I, I'm pretty lucky. I think uh, maybe I broke my toe playing soccer once. Like I've never had anything too serious. Never even had a bee sting. Didn't have my first blood nose till I was almost thirty, um, and uh, I won't I won't tell that story because it... I don't recall ever having a blood nose. There you go. Strong strong veins. I've I've had a lot of other strange things, you know, like the. Um... Yeah, when you're talking about the uh, the uh, saw, it was actually a power saw, a power planer that I had a piece of wood stuck between my legs while I was trying to plane it Such out. a bad idea. Such <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> you were a kid though, weren't you? Hey? You, were you a kid? You were young? Like you, were, you weren't? Young kid of about 22. Yeah, that's a kid. I, um... 22 is not smart. I, I, I've learned, like, based on my own personal experience, 22 is not smart. Yeah, no. I, look, you, you I, I, the sort of experiences I've had, I mean, because I have to, you have to justify things. You know, why do you get beaten up by thugs? Well, everyone has to at some stage in their life because it's going to happen. Um, and um, I got beaten up over in Roomwood um, when I was looking after a pool hall. And... Um, that was wonderful. Then I got beaten up again by a guy that we were trying to look after who got himself into a bit of trouble and his girlfriend was in a um, 
a, a juvenile centre and he got her out of the juvenile centre and then got us involved in it. And so then I just said, take her back. Um, there's nothing we could do in, in any way. So he came around and visited me one day and, and he just uh, was exercising his fists on my body quite dramatically. And, um, yeah, I uh, I think I was going out for dinner that night and uh, I had to change my shirt because it was gone from blue to red. Uh, so I did have uh, – um, the thing, you know, like life is life's a bit like Edward Scissorhands. You know, you nothing you, you don't necessarily plan anything, but you have to plan out of it rather than getting planned into it. And um, you can't ever anything that happens in your life is an experience, whether it's good or bad. It's an experience, and you'd be very, very surprised at times when that experience comes to hand. When helping people, because mm. um, you've got to use it for something, because it's you don't want to get another rearranged face or whatever. You, you could be, and that's the thing is, so often you could be the, you know, the 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 meat and the sandwich of something that's going on, got nothing to do with you. I, I remember a mate of mine, and when I say mate, um, he was uh, he was in a bike club. Uh, he was a secretary of a bike club, and uh, I knew, knew a lot of bikies in those days. And um, and that's that's just bordering um, the nineties, so the eighties, nineties. Um, I knew a lot of bikies in those days, and um, and he would he went into his car, or it might have been his partner's car and start laying into her. And this is where, you know, growing up makes a big difference. So rather than go in there and try to separate him from her, I went and got someone who was about another foot taller and about another 30 kilos heavier just to sort that one out. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's really – life can be very sad and difficult, but, you know – at 70, 72, and then I think I might have said to you the other day, my dad died at 70, uh, 64, my grandfather died at 60, and my other grandfather died about the same sort of age, and now I'm up to 72, and I'm even. Yeah, I'll know. be honest, you talked about, I think you mentioned 63, and you talked about it a lot when we were kids. I'll be honest, when you turned 60, a lot of us were nervous. Like, <laughs> the next couple of years were pretty nerve-wracking for us because there was a history of... Of a of a sixty, you know, kind of sixty to sixty four mortality rate. So once we hit sixty four, yeah. we we're like, all right, we're free and clear now. We should be okay, hopefully, for <laughs> a little while it. longer. Yeah, well, you know, like the, you know, the last last year um, hasn't been great, um, but at, this, at the end of the day, and it's and it's with a lot of other confusions. And one day, I, I want to spend some time um, talking about. Uh, mental health issues, um, and because mental health issues deal with a lot of other things, and, and, and as you know, that one of the problems is that uh, it can cause you to make decisions that maybe aren't the best decisions. And you know, my my specialist, she says to me, you know, I need to get you to go out there and talk to people, and I'm going, yeah, I'll do jokes, I'll do. 
you know, I said to someone the other day, I was going to be a stand-up comedian, but no one could see me. Uh, <laughs> the, it's not an issue that, you know, I'll talk about um, immediately, but people need to, people who work are very much afraid of telling their workmates or their boss that they have a medical health issue because you know what happens when people say, oh, they've got a medical health issue and everyone goes, oh, yeah. You know, that'll get them off it. Um, but sadly, um, that can be can hit people in very different ways um, and, and struggle for, for years trying to work out what's going on. And then there's a lot of other things on top of that. So people do have, you know, difficulties with their life that they don't necessarily want to deal with, but then their life becomes com- complicated because they don't know why they're suffering so much. And um, and if you say something to your boss, I'll probably sack you. So, um, it's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um, def- there's definitely a lot better. Like I um I don't really talk about my my job on the podcast. I have to keep working and and fun separated. Not that work's not fun, but working working fun separated. Um, but I do work in management, and um, w- one thing that we're, we're constantly kind of working on and making sure we're supporting and doing correctly is, you know, um, being supportive of, you know, employees with mental health, because especially post COVID, like it's not like it didn't exist before COVID, but especially post COVID, it's just a whole different thing now. So yeah, it's getting a lot better. And one thing I love about the the industry I'm in and where I do work is that that's, um, it is taken seriously and treated with care and respect, which is excellent, you know, cause yeah, there are definitely other places I've worked. And I won't name names because you know, like it was a you know. Hopefully, they're on the right track now. But different places I've worked when I was a lot younger, where that was not taken into consideration at all. Um, uh, and and it's interesting. I... Also, the mindset has changed in, t- in the way of work. Like I, I have a friend um, who recently quit their job um, because of due to mental health issues. Um, but then, and whilst I'm certainly not dismissive of that, dismissive of that at all. Like I, I know what that person's gone through, and they definitely do have have had some mental health issues in the past. But one thing they, one of the other reasons they quit their job was they're just like, you know, I just, I can't work five days. Like five days is, you know, a forty-hour week is too demanding. And I, this person's a lot younger, and so I'm certainly not po- not poking fun. You know, obviously the mental health issues are real, but a forty-hour work week, I agree, is too much. You know, sometimes, but that's just that, that's the way it's always been. If you got a forty-hour work week, you, you're actually doing a lot better than a lot of other people who are doing, you know, kind of sixty, seventy-hour work weeks. Not that that's right, but yeah, forty-hour work week is pretty common. Yes, and um, person's a lot younger as well. So I, I think prior to that, they hadn't worked a full-time job before. So that that could, I'm not saying like I feel like I'm digging a hole here. I'm not dismissing the mental health issues at all. Like I know what that person's gone through. They've gone through a very very tough time. I think the 40-hour work week and the mental health issues are separate issues. I think you're correct. Yeah. I'm going. To, I'm just going to just just take a sidestep for a minute. Yeah. If I told you a movie took $463 million, what do you think the movie might have been? It made that or it cost that much? That's what it made. Um, well, if it was 20 years ago, it would be pretty easy to pick it. But these days, a lot of movies make $700, $800 million. We've got about 15 that have made over a billion dollars. So um, it doesn't – unfortunately, I can't narrow it down because – in the last ten years, so many movies have made over a billion dollars. Four hundred seventy-three is. Well, there you go. Yeah, it, it, and certainly, look, it's, look. I mean, 
I would like $1 million. I wouldn't even need $473 million. Uh, you know, $1 million would be lovely. But um, in the grand scheme of movie uh, box office, 473 is is on the lower end now. It's crazy. Like, oh, I remember... Yeah. I remember when $100 million was a big deal for a movie, and now, like, they're making billion dollars. I think Avengers Endgame made $2.3 billion in the cinema. Like, that's $2.3 billion. Yeah. That's insane. And, look, you know, I went to that movie three times, I think, in the cinema, so I know how it made the money. People went multiple times, but that's yeah. insane. $2.3 billion. Um, I think it's the highest grossing of all time, or maybe Titanic – is back there because Titanic's been the movies nonstop for the last 30 years. So, <laughs> What was the movie? Pretty Woman. Oh, there you go. That's huge. That, that's, if it's time, if it may, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like a time of release or if it's like since it was, since, you know, since the nineties, because I know that <laughs> films had come back to the movie theater a lot as well, but still like for a nineties rom-com, that's a, that's a decent chunk of change. You think so? That's a lot of money for for pretty yeah. Pretty Woman made the nineties. It probably cost them thirty million dollars to make. Um, yeah, fourteen. Uh, fourteen million does. There you go. Because it's not like a. There's not a lot in it that requires money. Um, yeah, fourteen million dollars worldwide gross. Four hundred sixty-three million dollars. That is insane. Uh, I wonder if that is. Oh, I think that's with inflation, though. What 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 it starts to say, like, if if you were doing, if you're graphing something, so as a manager, you graph things because that gives you indications, and you can tell a story to your boss any way you like, and they have to believe it because it's all in front of them. It's just the way you tell the story. But what it says that that movie breached the nerve of people. Mm. Is, that saw such a an increase in a, in a in a sale of a product, because that's that's you know you're quite right. Um, it was a it, it was successful because it was about someone. A, a lot of the movies. What's that one with Jennifer Lopez where she's a a waitress or whatever? I can't think of it. Uh, that's usually the case. Um, the um, but. She's she's um, she's going to be well. She's a, a hooker, and she ends up, you know, getting all the nice clothes and all sorts of stuff and whatever and and and, and whatever. And I was just totally amazed because that story, that movie's a great movie as well. Um, and some of the storylines, I mean, it's some of the storylines are very simple, and uh, and you sit there and thinking. I like that. I think I probably would have watched it six or seven times. Mm. And I think because the theme of it was about someone making good, someone's actually seeing something good in someone. But the other thing, this, and this is another one with with a sort of an, an autism-type flair in it, the, um, where, you know, one person sees himself in one position, another person sees themselves in another position, and then you've got that beautiful position where the people who think they've got everything tell everyone they can't afford it, and um, 
Well, that went wrong, didn't it? Um, when you say, are you talking about Richard Gere's character? Because yes. he's, he's quite neurotic. Yeah, yeah, again, I don't know if it's quite an autism thing. I think it's probably more, there's definitely a social anxiety in that in that character as well. And he likes to be alone. He prefers, you know, the company, he prefers solitude to company of others. I think it's more of a social anxiety, but I definitely see what you mean. Um, this feels like a good place to start your list. So, because um, you've talked about a couple of movies on your list now, so we should probably start talking about them. Um, what is your, uh, what is number five on your night? Is, is Pretty Woman number five on your list? Pretty Woman? We've oh. talked about. Well, let's start with Pretty Woman. Let's start with that one. So, uh, you've already talked about, you've already kind of gone over the premise. She's a, she plays a, a prostitute, um, a hooker, um, who uh, is walking the strip in LA and gets picked up by Richard Gere. So, this is the film that a year ago I hadn't seen, but it got mentioned so many times in this podcast. I was like, if everyone else likes it, I've got to give it a go. And I loved it. Uh, I was surprised how much I loved it. Because I dodged that movie for 20 years because I was like, it's a chick flick. You know, it's a, yeah, and chick flick is not really a term anymore. It's really a term in the 90s, 2000s. It's kind of gone away. But I just never had, never had any appeal to me. And then I watched it this year and I, I fell in love with it. I thought it was brilliant. It's, um, yeah, so you're right. Richard Gere plays like this multi millionaire business tycoon type character. He buys and sells property and land and things like that. And, uh, and then falls in love with, uh, with, with a, a prostitute. Um, the, I, th- I think there's two. Some of the, the movies that I picked have strong characters, and very much so. Sandra Bullock and Julia Roberts how, are amazing actors. Amazing, because it doesn't matter what role they do, they pick it up. I mean, I, I was thinking. I mean, I can think. You know, you can go from the extreme to miscongeniality. Mm. Um, and and you sit there. That is as low key type thing, and yet it's it's how they play that role. And then you can look at um, uh, Goodwill Hunting with Ben Affleck. Uh, I, I reckon he's brilliant. You know, mm. he's one of those characters that it doesn't matter what, what character he plays. He's just good. Yeah, Affleck and Damon, uh, both in that film. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, great casting. Let's stick with Pretty Woman and we'll get to your next movie uh, in, in a moment. But so you've talked about, obviously, you like the, I guess, the, the neurosis of, of the character of Richard Gere. And, and um, obviously, Julia Roberts is, is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I've never been a Julia Roberts fan. I was never anti-Julia Roberts. I just never really got it. I'd seen Aaron Brockovich at years yeah. and years ago and I liked that. But I never really got it. And then I watched Pretty Woman. I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I, I understand. I'm now drinking the Kool-Aid. I get what everyone else is talking about. Like, she's so charismatic and charming and fun. Okay, I get it. Took me, it took me a long time. I apologize, world. I'm on the same page. Um, <laughs> what else do you like about the flick? It's wonderful. And it gets like, it does a thing you don't see in comedies and, and rom-coms anymore, which gets a little bit dark. You know, you've got Jason Alexander, um, who obviously plays uh, George Costanza in Seinfeld, and he plays yeah. this absolute creep of a friend and, like, he's making moves on her and it gets very, like unpleasant you know for for you know a rom-com it gets it gets very dark yeah and i think probably why it works a bit mm. is it's you know there's other parts in there that you actually have to sit, sit through and going why would you do that mm. works and and you sit there at the it's a chick flick but it's got 
um, it's got interest in it for the male because I think it's, you know, that's the way women are treated. Mm. Um, and so when you look at it, you sit there and you're thinking, you know, she's really badly treated. She's really, um, she, because that's her, her job, then she's not seen as a, a real woman. Well, what's interesting is, and you've you've highlighted a really interesting social issue here because obviously, um, there's oh, we're getting so political. I've got to walk this line carefully. Got to walk this line carefully. But there's definitely, and there's been an ongoing issue with the way women have been treated by men and the patriarchy and things like that. Yeah. And that's definitely present in this film. But one thing it highlights that often gets overlooked is how women treat other women. Um, it's a bit, it's a big part of Pretty Woman as well. Like one, it's it was covered in in the Barbie movie recently, and it was covered in Mean Girls, you know, fifteen years ago. And oh. something that like Tina and I talked about as well, where it's like you know, it's it, none of it should be considered normal, but the, we know like that there's obviously the, the patriarchy and the way women are treated, but then to see the way women treat each other is is almost worse in ways at times. And again, like this is. Sounds like a massive generalization. I'm not saying all women, certainly not. But just like if in the perfect example in this movie is when she goes to the the store, you know, and the the shopkeepers yeah. won't even talk to her. They won't treat. Her. It's just like no, no, no. You're not the right kind of woman for this, you know, for this shop. So you yeah. should go. Yeah, um, I feel like we, I feel like we navigated that okay. I'm sure I'll hear about it if we didn't. But I promise you, my intentions were to be. I, I am an ally, and that's what I was trying to prove in that in that bit there. Um, yeah, I look it. it... It's been objective about the role that's been being played, and and the thing is that, you know, we men are criticised quite quite openly about the way they, you know, treat and talk about women, mm. and rightfully so. You know, like there's a lot of scuzzballs out there, so definitely, definitely rightly, rightfully so. Yeah, and and I think in in some ways, some of the way that the, the movies have been written or portrayed, um, certainly puts a you know a very um, straightforward light on <coughs> light on things. Uh, uh, a pretty woman to me was just it, it was back when I say a classic. It's not true, but it it had so many elements of you know like what would, what did this man really see in that woman mm. um, that and it, it was just his his power. Mm. You know, um, and then you, what you got from her is a classic woman. Um, but that's not probably the right true either. A woman who is in a particular area of life, which is frowned upon, or treated, you know, or treated with disrespect, um, and she navigated her way through that by being stronger. Well, she's quite a sex-positive character, which I think is very unique for the nineties. Like. Um, or I guess I guess it was starting to change in the '90s, and definitely in the um, you know in the advent of, of you know more R-rated comedies, where they kind of were more open and free talking about sex and things like that. Not that it didn't happen in movies previously. Like obviously the '70s was very sex positive as well, but the '80s kind of did a huge reversal on that. But this is kind of the resurgence of that. But okay. also um, at its core, and this is going to sound really strange maybe to some people, Pretty Woman is a fairy tale. Like it's a fairy tale movie. It's about a princess yeah. who, you know, yeah. is living under hard times, treated poorly by those around her, and then a prince comes and whisks her away. Like it is, 
it's Cinderella, it's Rapunzel, it's all of those movies. It just it's set in the nineties, and instead of being a princess locked in a tower, she is a hooker. Um, and instead of you know a prince riding a horse, it's a billionaire business tycoon with a heart of gold. Like that's that's good. but it's it's the same format, um, which is why I think it works so well because those stories have worked well for hundreds of years, and now it's just a you know a more modern kind of grittier take on it. Um, but yeah. Um, what's really funny to me, or maybe not funny, but amusing, is that this movie was also on Mum's list. <laughs> so you, both you and Mum put Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman on your '90s list, which I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah. What's next? What is your next movie from the '90s, Dad? All right. Well, <clears throat> the um, would be uh, Goodwill Hunting. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. The. Uh, uh, there's so much of um, just bear with me as you know, but I have these blank moments. It's okay. It's all good. Hey, I said that's all good. You take your time. I've got it on my shelf. I'm actually yeah. due to watch it. I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting in a number of years. Oh no, I don't have it on my shelf. Oh, I need to rectify that. What's his name? Robin Williams, Matt Damon. That's terrible. Um, and just it's what there are people or you know who are born to do certain things and mm. he, it didn't really matter what what role he took once again you know he uh he lived it out that his character was was amazing in itself and it was interesting i you know <clears throat> i read some critiques about it from some of the the well to do critiques um who canned it? That's why we don't we don't like critics on this show. We always say vote with your wallet. Don't listen to anyone else. Not even me, um, because <laughs> it, like uh, listen to my show, please. But don't listen to my opinions and you don't use my opinions to inform your decision making. Make your own decision. Vote with your wallet, and hopefully you'll dig it. Because I love everything. So that house was one thing. Oh, so good. Ben Affleck, as you mentioned before, who's wonderful. Um, he and he, he and Matt Damon wrote it, so they wrote the script, and they took so long to get that movie made. So they were trying so hard to get it made for the longest time because the studios didn't know who Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were. They weren't stars at this point. They'd yeah. written this script. Yeah, and, that one. Yeah. And, and a mini driver. Yep. Don't think anyone would have known her. She'd done bits and pieces. She was probably better. She was probably more well known than the boys at this point. Although, I think right before Goodwill Hunt, Hunting happened, I think they had something come out. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was Armageddon. Maybe Armageddon was after. I don't know. But there was a big movie that kind of broke them right before Goodwill Hunting came out, which definitely helped. And then, of course, you got Robin Williams, who brought the star power needed to drive that vehicle. And he's wonderful. Were you there? Yeah, she was in Birdcage, wasn't she? She may have been. I've actually never seen Birdcage. It's a flick that I've been wanting to check out for ages. But um, well, Birdcage is another one of Robert Williams. Yes, and um, uh, Nathan Lane. Yeah, and um, so you know, it, it was a strong movie um, by itself um, with the characters, and I mean. That that character of uh, Mini the, Driver had done Goldeneye. She'd done a James Bond film right before this. So we um, we often overlook movies because we don't like the name of the title, or 
it looks like it's too heavy to watch, so I'll let that one go for a while. And ten years later, you go, oh, maybe I should watch that. Mm. Uh, it's it's a, another one. I think it, many. I mean, the average person who saw it loved it. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the highest rated movies I think on IMDb, if I remember correctly. It's pretty uh. Yeah, it's pretty well regarded. Um, and I remember the first time I watched it, it was about 10 years ago. I was late to the party. And afterwards, yeah. I was like, how did it take me so long to get to this movie? Like, this movie is obviously brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the different roles that they had, I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's based in a school. There's a, a, a cleaner. Um, and, and this one character that just keeps on sort of uh, regurgitating who's, who's a genius. Mm. You know, there's another probably example of a person who's who um, just can't get the stuff on the on the paper, but he's absolute genius. Mm. And it's you know, it's you sit there and you think, how many times would I watch that once I'd seen it the first time? Because it's just one of those that actually draws you in, and you're going, yeah, love it. But um, it's a it's a story that you know it's a it's a, uh, there's a person out there everywhere mm. that situation who's who's got some skills and ability and knowledge but just can't can't do it mm. and um, and you know they they need someone to be the the conduit to to help them. And yeah, definitely. Hey, so, no, I was just agreeing with you. I was agreeing with you absolutely. Um, and one thing that's great about Goodwill Hunting, I, I think a lot of people who haven't seen it, um, and at the time myself would be included in that list, is you don't realize how funny it is. Like, yes, it's a serious drama, but it is funny. Like the boys wrote a funny script, um, yeah. and then you've got as a, you know you've got Robin Williams improving half of his lines. Like there's that whole monologue about how his wife used to fart in bed. Um, that yeah. was all made up on the spot. It wasn't in the script. He just made it up and like was trying to get Matt Damon to laugh. So. Um, it's a great flick, yeah. So I thought it was worthy of a, a mention because you know what, I, I go a bit soft. I've come back fighting, James. <laughs> no, it's a strong one. What is next on your nineties list? I'm eager to well, hear the next one. Um, something that we will have watched together, and you will have watched by yourself, and that's Home Alone. I love Home Alone. It's um, this movie. I don't know if it's come up much on this podcast, but on my last show, it used to come up every Christmas. We used to always do a Christmas episode. <laughs> but um, it's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Well, I did I did a bit of research on this because and, and, I I wanted to come out and fighting. Yes. And um, the thing about about this movie, John Candy was in it. Yeah. As the poker king of, um, I can't remember where he's from now. I want to say Arkansas, but I don't know if that's quite right. But he's the, he's the they're in the bus, they're in the van, and they're all playing poker. Exactly. A polka, oh. I should say, not not yeah, polka. Not, yeah, polka, not not the card game, the music, you know, the no, 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 made popular by Weird Al Yankovic music style <laughs> polka. But um, he, uh, John Candy, ad lived the whole. Soon. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, um, Zingo Culkin did the same. 
he had lived his script. Oh, interesting. And I, well, yes, I had to come back, James, to something. <laughs> surprising about that is I wonder if he actually came back um, as an ad lib or that's the way he could could act it. Be interesting. But, I'm sure he. I'm sure there were definitely scripted lines, but I think they probably did quite a bit of ad libbing because, yeah, he was the it kid. Like for the '90s, like there was no one more popular in children's movies than Macaulay Culkin. Like he reigned supreme. Yeah, yeah. And I'm um, not- so for those living under a rock who haven't seen Home Alone, because there's possibly a few, I guarantee some of the younger audience members haven't seen Home Alone. The premise is pretty simple. Um, it's Christmas time. The family's going to go on a vacation to uh, to Paris, I believe it is. Paris is in the first one. New York's uh, – sorry, Florida's the second one. And in the rush of everything, they accidentally leave their eight-year-old boy home alone uh, for Christmas, and they're trying to get a flight back from Paris to to uh, uh, Chicago – not Chicago, Illinois. Um, and um, he has to kind of live home – I think it's about – I think it's only about a week. I don't think it's terribly long. Um, but he has to kind of fend for himself. And then a bunch of burglars, you know, try to break into his house and steal all their belongings. And uh, he has to defend the house, which uh, leads to humorous antics. This is a movie that should be seen if you need a laugh. Oh, it's so – it's like – it's peak slapstick. I don't think there's a movie that does – you know, I know I haven't seen a lot of Three Stooges or, you know, Buster Keaton or anything like that. So I haven't seen the classics. But in terms of modern slapstick, I don't think you get better than the Home Alone films. Like the physical comedy is – Brilliant, absolutely, and um, you know the 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 sad thing is that um, you know a, a young boy with a huge talent, um, like many actress actors of uh, that period, struggled. And, he's back though. He um he's he's been clean for quite a while now, and he's back and he's doing his yeah. own thing, and he's so yeah. he's come back, which is really good. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, it's people giving people a chance again. I think sometimes people forget that everyone makes mistakes. Mm. But that is, that is without a doubt, a classic because it's coming up to Christmas. Yeah, so. oh, yeah. And Zoe's probably old enough to watch it now. Um, she wouldn't really have been able to appreciate it the last couple of years, but I think now she's probably old enough to check out one of the Home Alone <laughs> films. Well, look. It is, I will say this, maybe the most violent children's movie ever made. Um, I don't know if you saw during the pandemic, but there was this thing where a doctor was watching them and was talking about how serious it would have been if you got hit by any one of Kevin's um, traps. And he was ultimately like, yeah, both these people would definitely be dead. <laughs> like, there's no way you'd survive this. It's pretty insane. It's really sad. When people be actually take things, everything serious. Oh, no, it was done. It was done. Um, it was done for a laugh. It wasn't done like in a oh, serious way. Like he broke it down in a very humorous way. Like it wasn't to like take the movie seriously. It was just a, a fun breakdown. Um, do you have a favorite Home Alone trap? Oh, Ellie. That's, I think that's in the second one. That's when he's throwing the bricks down from the oh, roof. Yeah. <laughs> um, is which one, which Wait, movie the has? First one or the second one? Sorry? The Russian. That's the, the third Russian, one. But the second one? No, no, the Russian the Russian um terrorists of the third movie. So that's with Macaulay Culkin's no longer in that one. Oh, um, that's, right. that's with Mr. Jernigan. Um movie oh, no. movie one and two. <laughs> I, I really like um 
the paint cans. I think the paint cans is a classic one. Yep. I like the yep. um, the the iron on the door handle, which burns his hand. Yep. I think yep. that's the first one. Um, yep. When Marv holds onto the sink and electrocutes him, he turns into a skeleton. <laughs> that's a really good one. The, there was something interesting because the guy who was producing the movie, mm. he was thing in the movie and that was the character that was the old man and uh, the and the granddaughter who he didn't hadn't seen that is so yeah there's in both the movies there's a red herring where you have a creepy looking character who you think is a villain but is actually a really nice person yeah. the first one is old man marley the man who hasn't seen his granddaughter yeah. Uh, and then the second one is the bird lady. I've been very vocal yeah. about the bird lady on this movie. I don't like the bird lady, but I do like the old man. I think that's a really great storyline. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how they, you know, if there's something that they're trying to say and they actually get it in and it works, it's pretty good. My favorite story from the home, the making of home alone is that obviously Joe Pesci plays, um, Harry, oh. He plays Harry. He plays one of the um, one of the, the wet bandits, and um, he'd just come off making Goodfellas with Martin Scorsese, and he couldn't stop swearing on set, and like he had to keep getting in trouble because he was saying all these horrible words in front of children. Uh, that, that's and he's, just, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I can't help it. I'm sorry. I just made a Scorsese film. Like the guy gives me 300 f words per movie. Like I just think it's so funny. Um, oh. You know, and it's like it's again like it's a kids film, and like who is creepier and more unsettling as a villain than Joe Pesci? Like, yeah. <laughs> I um I like as well. There was a fan theory, and obviously it's not real. Like, but just people were saying, wouldn't it be funny if Home Alone was the origins behind the Saw movies? Because Kevin oh. makes traps, <laughs> and in Saw, the guy makes traps. And I always thought that was a pretty funny, funny idea. Yeah. The um. Have also, you seen, oh, go, sorry, go on. Have you seen Babylon? Yes. I thought Babylon was the mo- one of the most underrated films of last year. People were yeah. criticizing that film and tearing it apart, but it's wonderful. It's a really oh, good movie. Yeah. You know, you just got, you just, you, you've got to watch it two or three times because there's just so much in it. It's, look, it's long. I understand why people had problems with it. Because it is over three hours long, and that is quite long for a movie. Um, but it's it's wonderful. Like it's this guy can't stop making movies about Hollywood. He made Whiplash. He made La La Land. He made Babylon. They're all wonderful. It's a great flick. Look, there are geniuses in this in this world, and he's a, he's one. And you know, you have a look at the one, like you know, um, the um, the amount of people who are in who are just classically brilliant you have to watch if you like babylon you have to watch whiplash like whip i'm sending you that as well i'm sending you a lot of movies to watch today i've sent you three already you have to watch whiplash it's so good it's um i always describe it as the best horror movie that's not a horror movie because even though it's a it's a story about a kid who wants to play drums professionally (laughs) um but his teacher is the most horrible human being you've seen in any movie he's like the best movie villain of all time to the point where it does feel like a horror film. Um, so you got to watch Whiplash. And the guy who made Whiplash made Babylon. I, yeah, Babylon was wonderful. I oh. can't say enough good things about it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. like They made The Great Gatsby about 10 years ago, and I loved that book, but I thought that movie was a bit underwhelming. 
Babylon yeah. is the Great Gatsby film we should have got. Like it's yeah. very much like the Great Gatsby, but then it just goes into a lot more of the Hollywood scene. Um, yeah. Those party scenes are what the Great Gatsby should have been. It's, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's it, it's a pleasure to see. I mean, you know, um, I don't know whether you've ever seen. Um, um, Clockwork uh, oh, oh. Orange. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen it a couple of times. The first time I watched it, I loved it. I watched it about five years ago, and I felt very differently as a as a more as as a teenager, like in your like late teens, early twenties. It's quite an edgy movie. As a guy in his thirties, I was like, "Oh, this is a really upsetting movie." <laughs> it made me feel very differently. Yeah, well, you wanted to see that when it when it first came out, which is about you know twenty years before you did, um, and um, the. The, the the one of the things, and you know that gets overlooked in these things. You've got to put it in context of the era of the day. Mm. So you know the the. Oh no, I can. I, I still. Enjoy, I think it's a well-made film. I think it's a very good movie. But yeah. just um, a movie that I thought was cool um, as a teenager. I now I'm like, well, actually, no one in this movie is cool. They're actually all pretty horrible. <laughs> They're not quite <laughs> yeah. cool. And and that's probably a fair a fair assessment. It's how I feel about Animal House now. Like Animal House is a very funny movie. As a teenager, I thought they were all cool. As an adult, I'm like, oh, these guys are horrible <laughs> people. Like the the oh, only oh, one who oh. maybe gets away with it is Bluto, and like he's not great because he's perving on women through the window. But at least he's not assaulting people. Like so, he's you know he's just turning himself into a zit. Um, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. What am I? A zit. Um, <laughs> Perfect. That would be a bit like the John Bel- uh, not John Belushi, the um, Alty Towers when they do the Meaning of Life. Oh, Monty yeah. Python and the Meaning of Life. Yeah. Yes. Been ages. Probably my yeah. least favorite of the Python films. I, I love, and now for something completely different. That's my favorite. I think it's um, yeah. You 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 know as you look at movies, um, you know, and 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 have a look at them and see what they're saying or doing. You sit here going. Wow, it's clever. It went, they were clever well before being clever, and mm. um, and I, they they were out there, you know, like they um, they really did push the wheel, uh, the barra. I'm going to say the wheel. Well, I remember we watched that documentary, and like they were so ahead of their time. People were watching, you know, the 1948 show or whatever it was before you know, before they became the Pythons. They had two separate shows, and people were like, "What is this?" Like we don't understand. Like what? What yeah. is this? And it was so ahead of its time. Yeah. Um. And that's what you know. To bring it back full circle, that's how I feel about Babylon. I think Babylon is a film that just people didn't quite appreciate for what it is. But I feel like in about five years' time, we were like, "Wow, what a masterpiece!" Like we just didn't understand it at the time. We just didn't really realize what the director was trying to do. Like it's it's yeah. And you get a few movies like that every couple of years. You get a movie that you know the audience doesn't quite understand, but doesn't quite appreciate, and then it, you know gets a following, you know, later on. Like Blues Brothers, you know, is a flick that, you know, um, is, has got a real cult following. Wicker Man, that's a movie you and I have talked about in the past as well. Like movies that oh, people didn't really get at the time. That's, but that's brilliant. The first, the not the second one, but the first one. No, no, the one with um with Christopher Lee and um Edward Woodward. Um yeah. 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 Um, I love movies about cults and Wicker Man is, is pretty much the gold standard. When I was talking to my 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 specialist um, because I was, you know, I I, I was talking about the Cemetery. Mm. Uh, I said, 
there's some well-known people up there. She said, who? I said, Carl Williams. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and the, not, I don't think the Moran brothers are there, but um, the little guy from Sunshine, um, uh, Benji Veneman. And, um, you know, Keyless, you, you uh, mentioned Benji and your dog Benji has responded. Yeah, you go. No, not it's you, like mate. not buried. Uh, it's like, I bury things. I don't get buried. Exactly, the um, the old the old local area is a centerpiece of things. But um, now I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, it's um, okay. It's all good. Um, we can jump onto your next movie if you like. We're three down. We've got two to go. Oh, what are they? Um, do you have your list in front of you? Yes, I have. We've talked about we've talked about Home Alone. We've talked about pretty what we talked about Goodwill Hunting. Which one do you want to talk about next? Well, we talked about Goodwill Hunting. We also didn't we talk just talk about? Did we talk about? Two left. It's dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. I just think. Do you want to talk about Edward first? We talked to, do we talk Edward Scissorhands? Oh, we haven't got there. We haven't got to Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands no, is next on the list. I have to, I had some notes down here. Hang on. Yeah, get your notes. <laughs> All good. Yeah, pretty well, we've done pretty woman, haven't we? Yep. We got, so we do Edward Scissorhands and there's one left, um, which I will help you with if you need help. Oh, Silence for the Lambs. Spoilers. Yep. Okay. Yes. Silence for the Lambs is your last one. Let's I talk about Edward Scissorhands first, later. though. Then we'll do that later. Now, so we've done that. We've done that. Um, pretty woman. Yep. Edward oh, Scissorhands. Let's talk about it. Edward Scissorhands, 1990. Um, and there was something I just saw there. One of the directors of one of the movies. Oh, yeah. One of the directors of... Um, of Home Alone, um, his name was Chris Columbus. Sure was. He also directed Harry Potter. Is that right? He did the he did the first two Harry Potter films. And he still hasn't found a way to get home. <laughs> Very good. I, yeah, I, I wrote that down and I forgot all about it and it's a bit late, but anyway, it's here now. Um, Edward Scissorhands. And um, this is a... a it, it's it, it's in the I mean because this is also in the same vein as um, Beetlejuice, very much so. He, um, I think people struggled with it in many ways um, because how many people walk around with scissors connected to their hands? <laughs> and, I don't know and, why, but I knew you were going to say that. I'm like, no, people can't relate to a man with scissors for hands. How many people <laughs> have scissors for hands? Um, it's very, uh, it's very gothic. It's very much. It may be the most Tim Burton of Tim Burton films. Like the kid's dressed in leather. He's got crazy. Like if you look at a picture of Tim Burton from 1990 and look at a picture of Edward's hands, they look pretty similar. Yeah, lots of black leather. Lots of like crazy black hair. Um, in every direction. They just didn't have the scissors for hands, obviously. But um, what a fun, beautiful little movie that is. 
And and who's the lead character? Johnny Depp plays Ed, and you've got Winona Ryder as the young daughter, but she's uh, very different. She's very different to her Beetlejuice counterpart. She's not the gothic sad sack. She's very much the beacon of hope. She's very much like a uh, like you would you would see her as like the prom queen. She's very much like the popular blonde girl. Yeah, and like well, she was popular with me. The um, <laughs> really know why, but um, the 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 thing that's really interesting and important is that if people don't like Johnny Depp, they'll never like those shows because the characters characteristically, they're each an individual movie of a character um, that is is very deep. It's, it's it's almost eccentric. Does that make sense? Sure does. Um, yeah, he. Um, one of the biggest criticisms I had for Johnny Depp in the last decade was he became very obsessed. And look, you know, like it's it's a criticism, but what does my opinion matter? Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just for, for my for my taste, I would have liked him to do something with no makeup because there was just a period where he could do nothing but be a character in lots of hair and makeup and like weird and, and kooky and stuff like that. Like obviously parts of the Caribbean is brilliant. I rewatched black Pearl, like the first one this year and it is insanely well, it holds up so well. Um, but he just went through a phase where like every single thing he did, he was under like a bunch of prosthetics. I was like, can he just like do like a, can he just be like a detective or a gangster or something? Like I just, I just, you know, I don't need him to be in the makeup in every single movie. Like yeah. he's been through a phase where he was doing it so much. Um, I think the last thing, I can think of where he was kind of just playing a normal guy was maybe John Dillinger in Public Enemies. That might be the last time he kind of played something a bit more normal. Yeah. Um, not normal, but grounded. But <laughs> there's no um, denying the dedication to his craft. Um, oh. Like the guy, like you know, like it, personal matters aside and whatever's going in his personal life, you know, that that's one thing. But like as a performer, like the guy is a hundred percent in like into it. Everything he does, there's dedication and like transformative he, I think like you know um, when he was going through those court cases you know they used to say was he acting or was he whatever um, and we're all acting no matter what we do we're putting a performance on in front of people so bang the, um, the thing that was always amazing was whenever he spoke in his role, you, it 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 was knowledge, you know. Mm. Like you know what, he if he went in and saw the kids at the hospital, mm. he got into character, and he knew what he was doing when he went in there because he'd done his homework. Yeah, and he was the he is the ultimate professional in the way that he does his research, and you know, um, I, I dare say a lot of the stuff he would have done would have been ad lib. Um, it's just the way he is. He's just um, – I always like like the work he does mm. because he's out there. I'm very much looking forward to talking about movies from the 2000s. It's a topic we'll be doing sometime in the next six months um, because at least one person is going to bring up Pirates of the Caribbean and – Whilst there are five of those movies, and you know, I, I haven't seen, I've only seen them all once, except for the first one, because the first one is so wonderful. I'm very much looking forward to talking about that first movie because that performance is insane. Like it's so yeah. fresh and different. And that movie, like 
people forget that movie was nominated for Best Picture. And yeah. I think he was nominated for Best Actor. Like, it was so... Even though, like, it was a, you know, a theme that should have been done to death. Like, Pirates was nothing new. Like, they'd been pirate movies for decades. Yeah. But the, the approach they took to that movie was fun and it was swashbuckling and it was action-packed and there was romance. But, like, none of the characters felt derivative. They all felt like their own thing. Like, oh, what a great... You know, I can't wait to talk about that. Edward Scissorhands might be his most understated performance. Like, he's got a lot of hair and makeup going on, but the performance is very quiet. You know, yeah. he's not loud and crazy and kooky. He's very, like, because he's a he's an isolated loner. Like, his father dies in that castle on the hill, and then, like, the Avon lady finds him and forces <laughs> him to, to join the real world. Um, that's that's who she is. She's an Avon lady, you know. She's the Avon lady. Um, and try and kind of, like, forces him to join society against his wishes. And then, like, you know, when things don't go wrong, she thinks he's a monster. But, like, he was perfectly happy living in a castle on the hill. Um, because that movie is Frankenstein. Like, that's what it is. It's basically Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the color, like, oh, just the color palette of that town, how everything is, like, a different shade of pastel. Um, oh, it's And, like, the hairdressing stuff and the hedge clipping. Like, it's just, it's, oh, it's so good. What do they call that stuff when you cut it? Sorry? Ben, enough. <laughs> when you're cutting the the uh, plant to, to make a shape. Topiary? That's it. Thank you very much. That is a word that has never been uttered on this podcast. And I'll be honest, I can't remember the last time I heard anyone use that word. <laughs> but I'm glad we got topiary in there. It's a, it's a lovely word. Oh. Well... That means there's one left. What's the last one? Silence of the Lambs. Oh, no, leave it. What do you mean, leave it? <laughs> no, leave it. You don't want to talk about it? I'll tell you it? why. Okay. I, I, I want to make, make sure I cover everything. Okay. So your top five movies from the 90s is just the top four. That's what we're doing? Yeah. No, well, what it, what it does, it means that the, the one that was going to come five now comes four. So you don't. So we're not going to talk about Science of the Lambs today. We don't have to. So you're putting pressure. No, no, no. I'm asking you. Like, if you um, want to we'll talk about Science of the Lambs, off. we'll take it off the list. Take it off the list. Take it off the I'm list. I'm sorry. Do you have to apologise? Is there another movie from the '90s you want to talk about? Or are you happy leaving it at four? Well, let me have a think. <laughs> you don't. There's no pressure. Like, I, I want. I had a friend on. On her very first episode, I asked for her top five favorite films, and she gave me ten movies. Her number five was six different films. She couldn't separate six movies from the fifth place. So don't stress. And I've referenced that instance a lot on this show, so I'm sure she appreciates me making fun of her yet again. <laughs> go back, go back. Gonna fill in this dead air while Dad looks. He's looking. He uh, he brought a top five list. He's removed one. He's given us four. But he's having a quick Google to see if there's anything else he likes. I'm an old man. Give me a break. Seventy-two next week. So uh, and this episode will come out before your seventy-second birthday. Uh, oh so. really? Um, now is it cold over your way? Yeah, that's what the listeners want to hear us talking about the weather. It is cold over here. It's very sunny, but it's cold. 
I haven't worked out how the heater works properly. <laughs> For those listening and don't know what he's talking about, Dad's just moved into a new house. Um, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been on the show. And he's obviously mentioned he's been retired. So uh, in the last year, which is why it's been a struggle to get him on the show as well, because he's had a lot of things going on. But He's back. And this is what you've been waiting for. This is what people have been looking forward to, is Dad, at the last minute, changing his list and then trying to find out what he's going to add to it while we all wait in anticipation. Well, you sit thinking about what we're discussing. So this is all staying Always send a message to James <laughs> and say, why don't you talk about this? <laughs> as long as you don't ask for Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah, you talked about Mr. Daffy in your very first appearance. That was one of your top five of all time, I remember. Yeah, it was. It was. The um, okay. You've got one. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. The um. Everyone what... listening is in in anticipation. They can't wait to hear what the last movie is that you've just googled. <laughs> well. I'm going to say one of the main leads is Jodie Foster. But not Silence of the Lambs. It is Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, you've changed <laughs> Oh, that is genius. Okay. <laughs> all of that. Well, the listeners are like, we waited through all of that to hear him just say Silence of the Lambs again. Oh, that's so funny. Um, Silence of the Lambs is great. The, this is another another movie with actors in it that are brilliant, you know, and um, and Jodie Foster. Um, what was this TV series she was in? Oh, what a question! I don't know. Let me look it up while we're talking. Um, okay, why don't you look it up while we're talking? We'll do. Silence of the Lambs is a movie that I watched when I was very young. I think I was still in high school when I watched it for the first time. And I knew about it because you talked about it around the house. But for a little bit of background, we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but we didn't watch horror films in our house. Um, We really didn't watch horror films at all. So for you to kind of recommend it to me, I think was quite a surprise. I wasn't expecting it. Um, but you'd seen Silence of the Lambs, you'd seen Exorcist, and I think Alien was the other one you recommended. In fact, you were the person who introduced me to Alien. Um, I could only but, recommend movies that I wasn't scared of. Yeah, well, I think you were pretty scared of Exorcist, if I remember correctly. I'd seen it, though. Yeah. That's true. And as I said, it's coming, it's coming back to theatres this year. They're putting it back in the cinema. I think I liked it in the comedy series one. Oh, um, Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen? Yeah, Repossessed. <laughs> Which also had, um, uh, oh my goodness, and who played Reagan? Nancy, oh my goodness, how am I forgetting who played Reagan? I have to look this up. Oh my goodness. The people listening are like, just talk about the movie. No, we're going down a rabbit hole. Um, it was Linda Blair, so not Nancy at all. I don't know where Nancy came from. Linda yeah. Blair. Yeah, she was in Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen. So Silence of the Lambs, for those who don't know, is... Um, one of the stories, yeah, it's written by Thomas Harris. It's based on the book by Thomas Harris and is kind of one of the many stories of Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal the Cannibal. Um, previously they'd only made one movie about Hannibal and that was Manhunter, which was one of Nick Owen's favorite movies he's talked about in the show. Um, but, um, 
Silence of the Lambs tells the story of Clarice Starling, the uh, the up and coming FBI rookie, and that trying to find Buffalo Bill, the guy who's been abducting women um, and and killing them, and uh, yes, sorry, skinning them to death. He's skinning them because he's making a suit. Um, yeah. It's not the f- yeah. I don't With know whether that, like for that movie series skin, uh, skins. Yeah, different different thing. Not, not the same one. <laughs> not the same one. But you've got Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill, who's wonderful. Like, what a great, creepy performance. Um, Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling. You've got, obviously, um, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. He was nominated. Did he win Best Actor that year? I'm, I'm trying to not... think. He was definitely nominated, and he's only in the movie for about 10 minutes. Um, that was, like, the big thing everyone was talking about. He's only got about 10 minutes screen time. Um, who else is in Silence of the Lambs that I'm missing? I'm missing some good people. Scott Glenn. Oh, hang on, I'll give you. Those are the main ones. Those are the main people. Um, but yeah, it's basically a manhunt. You know, they're trying to find this guy um, who keeps killing women before he kills again. Um, and in order to get help, um, Clarice has to go to the asylum where. Uh, Hannibal Lecter is being held, you know, it's not a prison, is it? It's a, it's a mental asylum because yeah. he's psychotic. And yeah. she goes and asks him questions, interrogates him because he's of a genius intellect and he's a psychopath. They're hoping that, like, he can help provide some insight into the character, um, the character of um, Buffalo Bill and try and find out what he's doing and why. Um, it is... James, you've got Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster, Ted Levine, Brooke Smith... Yeah, I've got, got the first three. I'm pretty happy with that. Scott Glenn and Ted Telly. Yeah, oh, Scott Glenn is so good as well. Um, there you go. He, he did win the best acting. Yeah, he's only got 11 minutes. Yeah. Actually, Jodie Foster won as well. Um, in fact, they won almost every Academy Award they were nominated for. At it was, that time, yeah. Yeah, best picture, best actor, best actress, best director, best writing. Um, there are only two it didn't win, and that was sound and editing. But it's a, like, I watched it again this year for the first time in a while, and it is a masterful film. It's paced brilliantly. Like it's older, and even though it's a '90s film, it feels older than '90s film. But it doesn't. It's not slow. Like it's, oh, it's just every scene is wonderful. And if you're not sure about it, you can always just watch one of those trailers because the trailers are really good. Mm. It's so I'll get um, a soon. Well done. I would say for people who are a bit uneasy uneasy about horror, it's a really good entry level into the genre because yeah. it's not scary. It's unsettling, and it, but it's more of a crime thriller. Um, but the other, the other movies are definitely horror films, especially Hannibal, like, although Red Dragon is quite horrifying as well. But it's, um, it's a really great it's – it's, it's a perfect movie. I just don't have any other way to phrase it. It's a perfect movie for me. Um, what is it about Silence of the Lambs that you like so much? Or have I taken all the good answers? Summed up, I say it's a perfect movie. <laughs> not all horror movies are, are perfect movies, you know. Absolutely. And um, and this is set in, in in a different sort of environment. Mm. And and I think that you know, it's a horror movie, but it's it's almost like what am I going to say? Um, You've got a serial killer. You get serial killers in lots of horror movies. That's nothing unusual. 
I just think the way the you know the, it, it's been plotted, um, mm. the actors once again, it really depends on the quality of the actors and the roles they do that make the movie mm. work or make it a horror. Yeah, definitely. And one one thing that's interesting, I was just thinking about, I was just looking over your list while you were talking. It's actually a really interesting, comp- like, this is going to sound out there what I'm going to say, but it's a really interesting companion piece to Pretty Woman. Like, Pretty Woman and Silence of the Lambs thematically actually have a lot of things in common. Like, they both have strong female leads who are treated differently for the professions they've chosen by their peers and by the men around them. Like, they're actually very, like, thematically, there's a lot of similarities there. Go, go and answer the door. Like, if you think about, if you think about how Clarice is treated, like, yeah, she's treated poorly because she's a rookie, but also the FBI is very much a men's business at that point. Yeah. And they yeah. don't really like this young, hotshot woman coming in and kind of making decisions and asking questions. Um, so, yeah, like, I... I just realized that then it was I didn't plan it, but there's actually quite a few similarities between that and Pretty Woman. Um, yeah, That's it's a good uh, link. It, it, the um, the I think Tody uh, Jodie Foster. Um, you know, if you think about Taxi, you know, Taxi Driver. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Those roles are really strong roles, um, and uh, they—it's almost like they've actually just not um, forced you into a corner. But when you when you're so good at something, um, and that, that's such a, a, a big role. But I think you're right. Is that um, I understand what you say about a similarity between Pretty Woman. You know, and uh, someone who's getting chased by a crazy man. Uh, <laughs> in 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 some ways, they're both crazy. As in, as in the the guy in um, in Pretty Woman. Mm. You know, in his own in his own way, it's a, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like the guy. In, Fifty Shades of Purple. Oh, I haven't seen those movies, but uh, <laughs> now that I know you have, I guess I'm going to put them on my list and check them out. Um, yeah. It's got your favourite actress. I know you like Dakota Johnson, so <laughs> there you go. I only like her because I don't know why. Because she's uh, funny. Because she's funny. That's what you were saying. She's very funny had, in interviews. There is something very endearing about that young lady. When she smiles... She's she's warm, you know. She, she doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> she just smiles, and you're thinking, you know, she's she's amazing. She's just and she there's a class about her. There's something that's really, you know, not not a lot of actresses or actors or whatever are like that. And yet, you know, and I, I heard her doing an interview on. Um, on the, it might have been on the on the um, Graham Norton show or something like mm. that, and um, she was getting an award, and um, she came up and her her outfit mis- mal- malfunctioned, 
And she just turns around to the audience and said, well, it's not, it's not like you haven't seen my boobs before. You know? <laughs> and it's, like it's a real girlish kind of comment. Yeah, I remember there was something similar. Um, Amelia Clark, who plays Daenerys in Game of Thrones. Yep. Um, she was doing a, a show on Broadway, and oh. that that show required her um, to to be a nude. Um, there was some some, yeah, some some nudity in it, and she was saying that she was in the show, like she was doing the stage the stage show, and like every now and then like a flash would go off, and she's like, "There's people taking photos of me naked at the stage." Like she's like. You know, there's a whole TV show where I'm naked every episode. Like, you don't need to like, get your camera out. Like, it's freely available. You can check it out. There. Um, I thought that was very, uh, very amusing. Um, and that's another character, you know, just loads of humour. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's really underrated, actually, Amelia Clark. She gets a, a, I think she gets a rough time from from critics and stuff. People I, mean, say I think not, you're right. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, people out there, and um, but Dakota. Uh, she's got one of the, she's one of those people who she can do a role and it's believable, mm. but it's still dignified. I actually haven't seen many of her performances. I haven't seen those Fifty Shades films. I'll see. I'll do a quick look. We are getting towards the end of the show, so we can do a little bit of silliness. Let's have a look and see if I've seen any Dakota Johnson films. I've definitely seen her in interviews. I must have seen something she was in. Let's have a look. Oh, Social her Network. Is great. She is so funny. Yeah, Social Network she was in. I just watched that again the other night. Um, but I don't remember her being in that. That's interesting. Um, although she would have been quite young. Bad Times at El Royale. Oh, Suspiria. Oh, I love Suspiria, and she's wonderful in that. Um, she, she's Black talking Mass, about, has, has your mother seen the movie? And she goes, no. As you, you know, and then she says, what about your, what about your grandmother? She said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Five-year engagement, 21 Jump Street. Oh, yeah, so she's done some things that I've seen. Um, yeah, no, she's – yeah, everything I've seen, I actually do love her in. So there you go. I've, like, I, and I watched The Spirit only about a month ago, uh, and she's wonderful yeah. in that as well. Um, yeah. yeah, great great actress. But um, maybe um, Tina and I are watching a bunch of movies at the moment. Maybe I'll see if I can convince her to watch those Fifty Shades when I'm like, hey, for a laugh, should we watch Fifty Shades? See what she says. <laughs> I, I think I know the answer already, but we'll see. Uh, that is a great list. There is not a bad flick on there. Um, and there are a couple of films we've talked about in the past, but there's a few new ones on there. We've never done Home Alone on this show, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've done Silence of the Lambs on the show either. So that is a, a good, good list, uh, Dad. Very, very exciting. So all that's left to do on the show is do our rapid-fire question round, and then we'll be out of here. Look, I'm going to put the screws to you because you might, you might not have the answers ready to go. Uh, <laughs> Alrighty, first question of the rapid fire round, Dad. Which '90s movie has the best poster? Can you remember any movie posters from the '90s? That's the real question. From those, from that 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 selection. It doesn't have to be from your selection, but if you want to choose from your selection, that does. There's definitely a movie on there that has a wonderful poster. So, um. I've got. I've got a feeling the Silence of the Lambs was a good poster. It's a great poster. I'd forgotten about it. It's a really, it's it's a really good poster. Um, yeah. So that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, I think most people said Jurassic Park, which is a good poster, but I think Silence of the Lambs oh. might have a beat. Um, alrighty. And which actress from the '90s, or actor or actress from the '90s that haven't been in anything for a while, who deserves a comeback? Who haven't we seen for a long time? You want to see come back? 
They were big in the 90s. Wyona Ryder. Yeah, she's kind of been here and there. She had some stuff in the 2000s. She's been on Stranger Things. We haven't really seen her do anything in the movies for a while. I'll take that. That's a good pick. Um, All righty. So the 90s was, I guess, the beginning of CGI. It was the first time we kind of saw, kind of not in any of your movies, all your movies are very practical, but we kind of saw the, the, the new technology come out. Which movie from the 90s do you think could best be improved by today's technology? Doesn't have to be graphics. It could be the camera work. It could be the sound. Fifth Element. Yeah, what a great pick. Um, that's a movie that came up a lot in our nineties talks as well. And last question: the rapid fire. You are rapid firing. You're rapid answering. Um, which movie from the nineties do you think needs a sequel in the form of a TV show? It's very popular now to take a nineties movie and give it a sequel in episodes. What movie would you like to see a sequel, but it's done as a TV show? Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice is eighties, but I'll take it anyway. Um, they are doing a new Beetlejuice. They are doing a new Beetlejuice movie. Um, yeah. They're work, working on it right now. We're going to write us back, and uh, Jenna Ortega is How playing her daughter. That? Very good casting. Uh, that is it. We have done our nineties list. We've done our nineties rapid fire questions. We talked about a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> that wasn't related to movies at all, but that is to be expected on a dad episode. Uh, and before we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts for today's show? Loved it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wasn't, there well, wasn't... when I say loved it, I mean, that's a bit... It was I wasn't good. fishing for compliments, but I'll, I'll gobble up every one of those little fishies there. No, that it's good to, it, it, it's, it was good to unwind after such a long time. Absolutely. Uh, um, well. Excellent. Well, I'll do my. I'll wrap things up and we'll head out of here. So I want to thank my dad for finally coming back. It's not his fault he wasn't here sooner. Um, as, as you heard, he's had a pretty crazy 12 months and there's been a lot going on, but he's back. So definitely good to have him back on the show. And hopefully you dug the uh, unique brand that he brings to the show as well. Uh, definitely always <laughs> fun to hear. You, you do have a unique brand. Everyone who comes on the show has a unique brand. There's not two guests that are alike. Um, so hopefully the, the audience enjoyed your, your triumphant return. Um, if you want to support the show, you can jump online, head to Instagram. I was a teenage film snob underscores between every single word. I'm trying to post there more. I keep saying I'm going to, and then things happen. I've been very tired from work, but there are videos up pretty regularly. I just did a Ninja Turtles review last night, so you can watch that. Um, I post up photos and stories and all sorts of fun things. If you want to really support the show, you can buy a t-shirt, head to, uh, and search for, I was a teenage film snob or, Check out the links on the Instagram page. They're really comfy. They cost about 20 bucks. If you're a first-time buyer, you get 20% off. And uh, I make no money off them. I think that I clear about $3, $4 on them. So it's not there for me to make money. It's there to promote the show. So if you want to get a T-shirt, go check out one of those. And that is about it. Next week, we should have our very last Apocalypse series done. Um, I have a 90s guest coming up. I'm currently in talks with people in the US and the UK trying to get some quasi-celebrities on the show when I'm getting some pretty positive response there. And that will do it. So thank you once again to my father for coming on. It was a blast having him. Thank you all for listening. And as we say every single week on this show, guys, I was a teenage film snob, but I promise you I'm trying to be better. We'll see you next week. <laughs> okay. I just did that because... The minute I hit the record button, that's what you do. <laughs> I think you've done that to me every single time. I should have expected it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pardon me. Late night.
because you know I watched a movie after the movie. I was like, I know I've been to the movies, but I'm still going to watch another movie tonight. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've been watching. I was watching a, 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 a British series called Dalgate Police. Oh yeah. And um, I mean, it's, it's pretty typical of the the pommy type uh, things, but it, I actually enjoy them. Um, and um, I don't watch too many times do I watch, you know, um, Looney Tunes. It's I can be my. I've got a. I've got a packet of tissues. I thought you had a packet of biscuits at first. I was like, we're about to start talking on the show. What are you doing? Um, but I realized it was tissues. Yeah. So. So the 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 movies that I looked at. Hang on, I got to start the show. Hang on, you're oh. getting getting excited. It's all good. I'm excited. No, that's all good. I feel like I should keep that in because it's very funny. I'm little Gibbs. I'm excited. Oh, yes, please. I'll take the medication and I'll be fine. Yeah. You tell me when we're ready, bro. Yep. I'm just waiting for you to stop and I'll start the show. <laughs> I just waited for a pause. Oh, that's oh. so funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 